and it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. Welcome to this morning's broadcast. Glad you could join us. Today, again from the book of Jude, this morning, verses 24 and 25, we see that Christ is our protection from and our victory over false teachers. And now, with more from God's Word, here's Pastor Robert Elliott. If we just fixate on false teachers and see them under every rock, we will be more prone to listen to them. But if we focus on the Lord Jesus Christ, the head of the church, and the sound doctrine that he brings to us through the New Testament and the Old Testament, we'll be safe. So we want to look where we want to be and not to where we want to avoid. And Jude has spent 23 verses so far in our study warning us about false teachers. However, when he comes to close off his little letter, he doesn't refer to false teachers at all. 23 out of 25 verses heavily focused on false teachers, but then when he brings the conclusion, the application, he doesn't mention them because he's focusing us on the open road we want to drive the car on, not the cars we want to miss hitting. And in these wonderful two verses of benediction, the Holy Spirit through Jude focuses us where our affections and our thoughts and our meditations ought to be on the wonderful Lord Jesus Christ. So look at verses 24 and 25 with me as we begin to exposit them for you and with you. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you to stand in the presence of his glory, blameless, with great joy, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. So make no mistake about it, false teachers are a real threat. They were then and they are today. But our protection from them and our victory over them these things are not wrapped up in us, and I'm so glad they aren't. Our protection from these false teachers, our victories over these false teachers are wrapped up in our Savior, and he's enough, more than enough. Consider the object of these verses, the first part of the verse, to him who, let's find out, to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy to the only God, our Savior, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the triunity, the Godhead, is in fact the subject of these verses. He should get all of the following objects or nouns grammatically. Glory, majesty, power, and authority. And as I opened this sermon with to review, a little outline for the book is your name, ready, steady, go. We're saying that your name, ready, and steady all have to do with us. Your name gets your attention. There are false teachers. Ready, be ready to spot them and to not be influenced by them. Steady, hold to the faith. Don't capitulate. That has to do with us in obedience. But when we get to the go, when we get to the ready, your name, ready, steady, when we get to the go, that's everything to do with our God. Our God the Father, our God the Son, and our God the Holy Spirit, one God. And we're saying that, heads up, 
listen here, I'm talking about you, this applies to so-and-so, hello, all have to do with us, listening and paying attention to closely to false teachers. But we're saying that this is what a false teacher looks like, this is what is coming to false teachers, beware of these people, wanted for false teaching, all require our responsive obedience to this book of Jude. But, however, contrast, we're saying that on to glory, to eternity and beyond, I can't, but Jesus can, praise the power of God toward me, are all beyond us. Utterly beyond us. They're rooted in the Lord. And so your name, ready and steady, have to do with us, but our go, our command to go, is God's work in us. And really, in writing verses 24 and 25, Jude touches upon the theme that he really wanted to touch upon when he started his little letter. Do you remember? Go with me to verses 3 and 4, the very beginning of the book. Verses 3 and 4, beloved, while I was making every effort to write to you about our common salvation, oh, he was wanting to write to them about the common salvation they shared but because of the pressing need to address false teachers in the first century church, he moved off the topic he wanted to write about to have a discourse about false teachers that lasted until the last two verses of the book. Beloved, while I was making every effort to write to you about our common salvation, I felt the necessity to write to you, appealing to you, contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all handed down to the saints, for certain persons have crept in unnoticed, those who were long beforehand marked out for this condemnation, ungodly persons who turned the grace of our God into licentiousness, that is rampant immorality sexually, and deny our Master and our Lord Jesus Christ. So at the end of the book, the last two verses of the book, the benediction of the book, the Lord's good saying of the book, the go part of your name, ready, steady, go, he returns to the topic he wanted to address until the Holy Spirit moved him off our common and shared salvation to addressing false teachers. And when Jude is able in the Spirit to write about the salvation which he shared with his readers and which we share in all these centuries later, he essentially writes, on to glory, Christian, to eternity and beyond. I can't, but Jesus can. Praise the power of God toward me. These are the applications of the book of Jude. Jude indicates that four things belong to God. You ready? We've already stated these quickly earlier. Glory belongs to God. Majesty belongs to God. Power belongs to God, and authority belongs to God. Let's go back to the first part of verse 25. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority. Oh yes, our God is deserving and is in ownership of glory, majesty, power, and authority. And Jude indicates that all four of these things get to God the Father via God the Son. 25, second part. 
to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, and now and forever. Amen. Amen means let it be so. And now, today's ministry spotlight. Hi, good morning. This is Pastor Nicholas here again for another edition of You Talk. Today, we want to continue on our series on social media. And last week, we looked at three different questions. And in, in these are three questions we looked at. Do people see the light of Christ in you based on what you post? Do people see that if you identify yourself with Christ as a born-again believer, do they see that Christ comes out in the things that you would post on these different social media, whether it be Instagram, whether it be Facebook, do they see Christ? Second question was, is social media your master? Have we allowed social media to become the dominant force in our lives that we see that this becomes everything that we're about? Have we allowed this to consume all of our time and all that we do in life? And the third question was, does the use of social media help you redeem the time? We ask ourselves, are we making the best use of time? Or do we allow Facebook to um, just indulge every second of our lives that, or, or Twitter or Instagram? Do we allow these to just become everything that we're about and a waste of time? And we realize after a while that we have spent an hour when we only went to go check one thing. This morning, we want to continue and we want to look at three more questions. The first question we want to look at is this. Does your use of social media help you renew your mind in God's truth? Romans 12, 2 said, Do not be conformed as well, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God. What is good and acceptable and perfect? You see, God can use moments that we give Him throughout the day to grow us, including time on social media. You can use Facebook. You can use Twitter. You can use all these things to grow in your faith and, and, we, and to honor God. You see, we need to understand, as I said in our last session, that you know we can use verses. We can see messages, sermons. We can post these things on social media that help us even in fact, a lot of churches today have different Facebook pages and people you can go on and listen to these messages. In fact, Calvary Bible Church, we have a Facebook page that you can go on and listen to different sermons um, that our media team puts every week. And so you can go on and, and, and listen to messages and this can encourage people who may not hear God's word any other way. In fact, sometimes you may find someone who go on social media and because they see you posted it, they just want to say, oh, let me see what they are trying to say. And this is how we can transform or renew someone's mind because the Word of God is renewing that mind. Not you, but the Word of God, God's truth. And the first part of that verse said, do not be conformed to this world. It is so easy to get caught up in the things of the world on social media. It is so easy to, when you sit there and you see a video and, and it's a song that you may like and you may have heard. It's so easy to fill your mind with that junk. As we know the old term, garbage in, garbage out. If we allow ourselves to indulge into what we are listening to or seeing on social media and we allow that to consume us, that's what's going to come out of us. You see, we need to recognize that on social media, we can bring hope. We can help people to see God's word through different social media aspects. The next question is this, do you use social media as a platform to complain? Philippians 2.14 says, do all things without grumbling or disputing. 
as we know, if we go online, we see a lot of people complaining. But as we see on social media, it's so easy to complain about something because you know what? I don't have to see you face to face. It's so easy to vent my problems, to vent how I feel about uh, a place. In fact, I know many different social media and Facebook pages that basically that's what it's about. Complain about a business in the Bahamas. Complain about this thing or that thing. Why do we have to do that? Why can't we just go to the place that we have a problem with and tell them, I have this complaint? Why not send them a private message instead of going to these pages and just complaining about the things that we don't like? As teenagers, you complain about school, you complain about a teacher, you complain about a class. You could complain about a lot of things. But the Bible says to all things without grumbling or disputing or complaining. Boy, how would our world change if we took those things and applied that to our lives? That we would do everything without complaining. First Thessalonians 5.18 says this, gives thanks in all circumstances. In everything we are to give thanks because we need to recognize that every second, every minute of the day is a gift from God. Everything that we have is a gift from God. You know, we, we look at the newspapers and we see a lot of young people dying. Even on social media, we see this. But we need to be thankful. We need to be thankful that if we can get up in the morning and we can read something, that is a gift from God. And God has given that to us. As we talked about last time, every minute should be dedicated to the work of God. Which brings us to the last question we want to look at this morning. Do you use social media for unprofitable arguments? Proverbs 18 says, The fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. As we know, there's no shortage of social media arguments about politics, sports, religion, you name it. In fact, that's all you see. Questions about who is the greatest player of all time? Is it Michael Jordan? Is it Kobe Bryant? Is it LeBron James? Share this, like this. You know, we can go on and on about what to do. And we see arguments getting out of hand, where people actually get mad at each other and they stop talking. We talked about earlier that, you know, we know of people who face to face, they may stop talking to each other. But they go on social media and just vent and bring more arguments and they're going back and forth, back and forth. And all they're doing is putting more gas on the fire. And there can be nothing profitable about this. People lose friendships over these arguments. People misinterpret what someone may type out and say. I've seen that happen before where you said one thing, but you didn't mean it that way. And somebody took it the, the wrong way and all of a sudden we're not talking anymore. You know, we all know the old saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words are never hurt. We're not even talking about expressing a mouth of words. We're talking about typing something out and it hurts people. Instead of arguing with fools in times, and I'm calling them fools because sometimes that's what happens. They bring these arguments upon themselves and on people. Invest your time, Angie, into something more worthwhile. Don't get involved with these arguments. Stay away from them. If you're a person and you know that, you know what? If I see something, I got to comment. And we know that those people that every time they see something on Facebook, they have to comment on it and say something about it. You know what? It's better for me not to go on there. You have heard me say over and over during this session that social media can be used to bring honor and glory to God. It's a great tool. 
But as we see right here, social media can bring damaging arguments to family members who stop talking to each other, to friends who will never talk again. The list goes on. And I would challenge you, as I've challenged you in, in each of these sessions, to really ask yourself, when I go on social media, what is my objective? Is my objective to just to waste time and to just, you know, I have nothing else to do? Or is my objective to bring honor and glory to God in what I do? I would challenge you to remember that your words do hurt. Your words will bring a problem between you and a friend, you and a family member. And I would challenge you to always let your words be seasoned by the Word of God. Again, this is Pastor Nicholas. I want to thank you for listening. And I hope you will join us next time as we continue to talk about how social media can be a great tool, but as well as it could be something that we need to really ask ourselves, is it bringing honor and glory to God every time I go on? Thank you. I'm excited to invite you as listeners to consider joining us for a very special time of World Missions Emphasis at our church on March the 26th, which is a Sunday, and March the 27th, a Monday, we're going to have our annual emphasis on world missions under the theme, Get in the Game, Change the World. Our guest speaker is going to be Dale Losh, who serves as president of Cross World Mission. Dale is a dynamic speaker, and he's going to speak four times. On the Sunday at 9.30 a.m., Dale's topic will be God's answer to Larry King, based on Luke 10, verses 25 to 42. And then at 11 a.m. on the Sunday, Dale will speak on the topic, What's so great about God? Based on Jonah, chapters 3 and 4. Then at lunchtime on the Sunday, we'll have a lunch together and Dale will speak on the topic, Your Two Cents Worth based on Matthew 10, 40 to 42. On Monday evening, March the 27th, Dale's last talk will be God Loves Mondays, based on Luke 19. That meeting will start at 7 p.m. The following Sunday, April the 2nd, we will have a special emphasis on our own Bahamian missionaries who will bring reports in the 11 a.m. worship service. We hope that you can join us for encouragement, and equipping in the reaching of the world for the Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning, Patrick Rutherford. Good morning, Pastor Rob. Good to see you again. Likewise. Just to remind our listeners, Patrick serves with Precept Ministries as the Regional Director for the Caribbean. We're going to visit together today, this morning, Patrick, on the joys of a Christian parent. And I know that you and Mona Lisa have four great kids. Now here's a question for you. If any one of them asked you, Daddy, what do you most want for me? What would you say? The, the one thing I would want for them is that they would develop a walk with God. It starts with having a personal relationship with Him. That's something we encourage them every day, every minute of the day, every opportunity that God provides for them, whether it's a successful event in their life or a failing event in their lives, is their walk with God. How do we, how do we respond? How do we respond? And, and is our walk going to be pleasing with God? That's so good. So success in the Christian home ought not to be measured by the world standards of educational achievement or income, but rather by godliness and by a progressing uh, love and service for Jesus. Absolutely. My own viewpoint on it as a dad is that I want to raise children 
who eventually become independent of me and their mother in favor of being fully dependent on Jesus Christ. So true. So true. And so good. So that's a great ambition. Yes. Um, what would you say as a father is the best time or times to teach spiritual truth? Every time. Pastor Rob, if I could share this real quick from Deuteronomy chapter 6. Yes. Here's what it says. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Uh, Moses is talking to the congregation of Israel. And he says, these words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Moses is saying every opportunity you get, you should be reminding them, teaching them. That's the word diligent there taking every opportunity to teach God's word to you, to your children. So whether we're watching television, uh, whether we're talking about what happened at school, if we're just hanging out in casual time on the beach or a walk or wherever in the food store, um, it, every time is a target-rich environment to talk the truths of God's word. Every time. That is so good. It's absolutely right. Uh, Patrick, earlier in your career, um, you've served in many settings in education, uh, private education, Christian education, and public education. And I want to focus in a bit on just the Christian schools you've served in. We won't call their names. Mm -hmm. But you've been able, in that context, to observe, perhaps from a distance, quite a few Christian parents. Mm -hmm. And I wonder what trends you've seen in Christian parenting. Oh, there's been so many. Pastor Rob, I've taught in a few Christian schools. But um, I, I see Christian parents so much wanting their children to be perfect that they go to great pains to make sure that their children appear to be perfect. Mm. And it may work right then, but down the road, that child does not know how to walk on their own, to make decisions on their own. Take, for example, just a simple project. Parents would try to nowadays do the project for the child as opposed to holding his hand and or her hand and watching them struggle through that. Uh, Christian parents today seem unwilling to allow their children to deal with the consequences of wrongdoing. Usually it's something's wrong with the school yes. as opposed to something wrong that my child may have done. I'm not sure if it's a cultural thing or just the way the world is going, but uh, parenting by itself is tough. Christian parenting becomes even tougher because of the world that we live in. We're just inundated with so much stuff. And so you have little Johnny comes home and he wants a uh, headphone set like the other kids. Yes. Therein, there's some tension. Uh, Little Sally comes home and she wants to go to a class party uh, on the weekend. Uh, there, there's going to be tension there. And how do you, as a Christian mom and a Christian dad, govern that? In, in our home, Pastor Rob, uh, anything that, that, that is an emergency, that needs an emergency answer, our pet answer is no. And so, so the children know, if you're going to drop this thing on me on the last minute, it's a no. Oh, come on, Dad. Well, you know the rule. But as far as Christian parenting is concerned, um, it's a hard world, Pastor Rob, because we are all in this bubble and everybody's watching our every move. And everybody today seems so afraid to make a mistake, including me. 
And so we have to get it right. Our children have to be on point. Uh, houses and our yards have to be on point. And um, I don't know, maybe it's a level of pride and that's sin, but it's of an insidious nature in such a way that the children aren't able to be children, so right. to speak. You know? right. To learn through error and to get up from it and mm -hmm. get forgiveness if necessary. Mm -hmm. Right. I think what I've seen along the lines is what you've seen is, is similar. But also, I, th I think I've also seen that some Christian parents view the church as the only entity that gives spiritual input to their kids. And they don't have any role to play in that, they think. Mm -hmm. And yet they are, even if they're doing nothing with Bible study or teaching prayer, they're teaching their kids that church is only Sunday. It doesn't affect Monday to Saturday. And that's, that's serious. Well, the, the same thing applies with the school, especially when you have Christian parents who send their children to Christian schools. And the expectation is that the school is going to make my child better. Mm -hmm. And again, it negates the responsibility of the parent to do or have any involvement with that child post the three o'clock hour when that child comes home. And yes, it, it's so true. Going back to perfectionism mm -hmm. that you referenced, mm -hmm. if a parent is a perfectionist and really wants perfection from their children, a thinking child realizes that's really a hypocritical position yeah. because no parent is perfect, no human is perfect. Mm -hmm. And if a parent uh, demands perfection from their child mm -hmm. and their child knows the parent is far from perfect, yeah. then it puts a, a discrediting, hypocritical label, I'm afraid, on a lot of parental Christianity. Oh, Pastor Rob, I gotta tell you this story real quick. Um, I, I like being on time. And uh, Sunday mornings are probably the most challenging of all Sundays because, you know, being in ministry, you can't get to church late. And so it's I- frowned upon. <laughs> it's frowned upon. And so here I am, I'm harassing. Mona Lisa, come on, why are you running late? Why you got to put on, uh, why you got to fix, we can do this in the car. Come on, come on, come on, come on. I'm harassing them. I'm tormenting them. We throw them in the car. We get to church and there's not a word being said in church because everyone's still upset with me because <laughs> I've used names and calling names and badgering them and everybody's still trying to recover. And we get into the church parking lot and you see another adult and they're like, hi, Brother Rutherford, and bless the Lord for my soul. <laughs> and they're looking at me as if I'm the biggest hypocrite, which I am, because here I am, I've been berating them, going after them, not edifying them at all. And then I turn to my son and I tell him, stop teasing your sister or stop, you know, stop being so critical. So um, again, there, there is this, transparency, Pastor Rob, that's needed within Christian parenting. There is that vulnerability that is needed within Christian parenting. Listen, mom is, mommy's not going to always make the right decision. Daddy's not going to always make the right decision. The decisions we do make, we're going to make it prayerfully and we're going to make it in the best interest of the whole family. And we're all going to have to live with it. And uh, people are even unwilling to do that, Pastor Rob. But again, it starts with mom and dad making certain that they're in the Word of God. As a matter of fact, someone told it to me this way, your family will go only as far as you've been with the Lord. It's true. It's a scary thought. That's true. I think that kind of uh, vulnerability requires honesty. Mm -hmm. It requires um, seeking the best for your children and not for yourself. Mm -hmm. And it involves seeking God's glory. Well, this is very helpful. Of yes. course, it's a huge topic. Yes, and none is. of us, I think, could say, well, I'm doing it just fine. 
but we can call out to God, we can dig into his word, and we can get the help we need to be the influence that we want to be and Absol God wants us to be. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. Yes. You've been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship services are at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. in our sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We encourage you to join us. Feel free to write us at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs a savior.